to the Benefits Corner podcast. Thanks for joining us. With each episode, we'll be speaking with business owners, thought leaders, and top performers. Our goal is to provide our audience with interesting, relevant information as it relates to employee benefits, Canadian healthcare, and running a business. Now, we should say up front that the views expressed by our guests are not necessarily those shared by the Benefits Corner nor its host. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get started. Today's show is brought to you by ARIA Benefits, modern advisors backed by experience and technology. Now here's your host, Robin Bailey. Hey again, folks. Welcome back to the Benefits Corner. It's a really good day. I hope you're all having a great day as well. I'm on the road again and walking into another very cool office. And I'm particularly excited about this conversation today for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a really cool topic. It has to do with technology. All of my listeners know I'm a big fan of technology and, and where it's going and how it helps not only people like myself, but the end user, which is the customer, which is the most important. But I found out that... Uh, my guest today is a newcomer to Toronto, originally out of Dublin, Ireland. One of my, I have to say, Michael, one of my favorite cities that I've visited. Easily the friendliest people I've ever encountered. So stay tuned. You're going to be get to hear Michael's uh, accent or a little bit of an accent anyway. And I'm sure you'll be charmed just like my wife and I were when we were back in Dublin. So Michael is with Dialogue. He's an account executive. We're going to talk about what they do and, and why it's an exciting time to, to be chatting about this. But Michael is originally from uh, Dublin and moved to Toronto six months ago. He studied in France for five years and moved back to Ireland to start his career in sales. He spent nearly 10 years in various business development positions, starting out door-to-door, I know that feeling, through insurance, banking, recruitment, and over the last five years, been working with HR folk, uh, which he seems to enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you kindly. Thank you for having me, Robin. I appreciate it. And also, I appreciate the kind words about Dublin. I could say the same thing about Toronto. And it's so nice to hear that, because I think as a Torontonian who's born and raised here, we tend to take where we're where we grow up for granted, and and when I hear from other visitors, what a great city you have! Uh-huh. There's a feeling of pride there, and I'm sure, sure you've experienced that when people are talking about Dublin and what a great Likewise. city that is, is of course, right? So we've touched on virtual healthcare a couple of times uh, last year in my wrap up show with Megan Vallis. We did a little bit of a, a segment on virtual healthcare, telemedicine, that sort of thing. But I think it's a it's a very big subject. One that I know my clients are asking about. Certainly, I'm having conversations with other brokers um, and suppliers about it in the industry. So, Michael, I was hoping where we could start with this is maybe the evolution of virtual healthcare and what you've kind of seen in the field. Uh huh. And so, in terms of, I, I can speak from a B2B perspective. Uh, virtual healthcare in, in B2B started around five years ago. In okay. Uh, now, there are many merits to the Canadian healthcare system. However, it, it evolved out of frustration in accessing frontline care. So currently, if you look at today, over 57% of Ontarians cannot get a same-day appointment. So the way in which we access care hadn't really evolved in the last 50 years in that it was, uh, and still is for the most part, a, pr- a provider-centric model. Uh, and what I mean by this is uh, a patient gets sick, has to call their doctor, set up an appointment, if they're lucky to be seen uh, the same day, make their way to the clinic, wait in line for a few hours to be seen for five to ten minutes, and then out the door you go with your prescription. 
So frontline care hadn't really caught up with the technology available, and it was a natural progression in the space. Yeah, you, you make a good point. I mean, that's for my entire life. That's how it's it's been. And fortunately, where I've ended up is with a physician who's become a friend of mine. So getting an appointment quite readily is, is easy for me. But I know just from chatting with, with clients and friends, that's usually not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems as if it takes a couple of days. Then you go see the doctor. Then you get your prescription. So as an employer, when I'm looking at this, of course, I want to give my employees time off. You know, don't come into the office if you're sick. Make sure, you know, you take care of yourself first. Of course. But to me, there's a lot of inefficiencies there. Mm-hmm. So I think talking about this is is, is really timely today. And, and certainly, I mean, the, the issue is less pronounced in Toronto. But when we enter, you know, particularly in rural areas, and right. um, where it can take, you know, weeks or, or months to see a doctor or a specialist, uh, this is where uh, virtual healthcare is really making headway. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we're talking about virtual healthcare. And what I was hoping to talk with you about dialogue, and from what I've heard so far, I'm I'm, I'm very impressed. There's a lot of companies out there, right? Mm -hmm. There's dialogue, there's Wello, Maple, Akira, the list goes on, Mm -hmm. right? Can we talk about that landscape today? You know, first, there are a ton of them out there. But what I was hoping was to hear about what's dialogue all about? Like, well, what are you doing that maybe competitors aren't doing? Uh-huh. Um, it, it, it's a really, really interesting landscape. Um, uh, dialogue in terms of what we do, well, we have a fully staffed uh, private clinic accessible to your smartphone or computer. So we're solely B2B providers, which means we can adapt and evolve to the needs and wants of, of HR folk. So we have a team of care coordinators, which act as a concierge, helping with healthcare system navigation or, or insurance documentation, nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors, psychologists, psychiatrists, fully staffed essentially, and we cover your employees and dependents. Now, recently, and listening to the HR folk we work with, there was a great demand for support around areas with mental health. So we recently released a stress management program, uh, which includes uh, as-needed CBT psychotherapy sessions, uh, high-touch habit-forming sessions, for example, uh, and treatment adherence features. So it's a super interesting space. Some providers uh, only have nurses. Some providers only have doctors. Some operate an Uber model whereby you're seen by whoever is on the roster at that time. Okay. There's different models for different needs. But ultimately, you know, we're all enabling better and faster access to care for Canadians. Which is the most important thing, right? For sure. Whether we're talking about you guys or you're talking about a competitor. For sure. You had mentioned mental health, yeah. which to me is becoming a bigger, a bigger issue, while at the same time, I think the stigma of admitting a mental health is, is going away. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, we're starting to see that. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned CBT. So in a scenario, and I'm just thinking this through as, as we're talking about it, in a scenario where someone is in such a state, they can't get out of bed, they can't get to work. Is there the technology? Is this what the platform would be used for to say, hey, you know what? You can't come to us. We're going to come to you through yeah. the virtual world. It's, it's a great question. I mean, you know, currently the common frustration amongst HR folk is that 
you know, we only really treat people once they've reached a crisis. Right. Whereas, you know, what technology now enables is, you know, for example, I'll, I'll give you one example. When, when we built the chat feature into our platform, we, we saw a huge spike in, in patients requesting support around mental health. And the, the reason why is that it's much easier to take out your phone and say, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling anxious, than it is to contact your HR manager, ask for an EAP number, contact an EAP, set up a, an appointment. There's a lot less invisible barriers that exist when, when seeking support through your phone. Similarly, the way we've leveraged technology, uh, we have an, an AI-powered questionnaire that HR leaders can push out to their people at the touch of a button. Um, and that will split uh, you know, the, the people into different groups as to whether they're low risk or high risk, for example, of, of, of a mental health issue. And from that information, we can then offer services that's, let's say, important or will work for them so cbt psychotherapy sessions is not always the answer for someone who's just feeling a bit stressed right it, it could be it could be yoga it could be meditation sure. it could be a, a, for in our case in a you know high touch habit forming session with a nurse where we over the course of three four weeks we work with you to maybe sleep better eat better exercise better so you know we've developed you know different ways whereby we can proactively reach out to employees instead of waiting until they reach a crisis to treat them then. Yeah, and you touched on a really important point, I think. You know, being from my world in the employee benefits world, I, and we were chatting about this in my last podcast with another business owner about corporate culture and how you try to provide an environment that's engaging for employees, where they have trust, where they feel confident that they can bring issues to light. And you were just talking about the chat feature. And I'm looking at my own company as, as one of the owners in the company I try to foster an environment where people would feel comfortable to come and talk to me. But I also understand there's probably things that they might not want to talk to their boss about or our office manager about Mm -hmm. or even our HR leader. So I think having that option where someone has that person or person behind the computer in this case that they can reach out to and say, hey, I need some help. Maybe it's not CBT as we talked about. Maybe it's, hey, have you tried yoga? Have you tried this exercise program? Maybe you just need to get a little more sleep. But I think having that resources, especially sitting here as a business owner, I feel that's incredibly important. So Mm -hmm. kudos to you guys for putting that together. And and just on the privacy piece, um, you know, we've seen a lot because dialogue covers employees and dependents. And so any due to um, medical independence regulations, uh, you know, from the age of 14, a child gets their own application whereby they can uh, access a doctor. And we've seen huge usage because, you know, there's going through that stage in your life. They may have questions. They might not feel comfortable asking their parents. Absolutely. They may have questions. They might not feel comfortable asking their family doctor, given the relationship they have with their parents. And so having an application that you can equip your teenage children with that if they have any questions about their mental health or you know, uh, health in general, that they can take out and use a phone, something that they're used to using to address these sorts of issues. Really important. I remember being 14. <laughs> Surprisingly, I can remember that far, you know, that long ago. But you're right. I mean, this is at a time where your body is changing. I mean, it's a time where you're really just trying to fit in and anything out of the norm, mm-hmm. uh, you question yourself. For so sure. again, I think that's really important because I know now I would go and talk to my 85-year-old father about anything. And we love having those chats. But when I was 14, he was probably the last person I wanted to talk to. So I wish I'd had those kind of resources. Mm -hmm. So again, I think I always chat about when I'm on this podcast, especially when I'm talking about technology. 
I always get excited. I think it's an exciting time to be delivering this back to clients and improving that user experience, right? So I think this is great. We touched on it a little bit, but maybe I can poke a little bit further and and maybe try to tease it. What are some of the best examples of how this technology is being used to improve health outcomes? It's a great question. And, uh, you know, firstly, if we look at just the instantaneous element uh, of accessing care through your phone, you know, 10, 15 years ago, the idea of, let's say, online banking, there was a lot of stigma around that. Not many people trusted accessing such information through an online portal. You know, it's very similar now through uh, with, with virtual healthcare, right? And But, you know, we, we can treat virtually, we can treat about 70% of frontline care through your phone. So that's going to help reduce the time, let's say, for example, spent away from the office. So the instantaneous element of being able to address any medical issues immediately without relying on the capacity of your local healthcare system is super important. Like in, in extreme cases, we've seen people waiting weeks or months, as I said earlier, uh, to see a physician or, or specialist due to understaffing. And so having that instantaneous, let's say, element of access and care is super important. Um, I also mentioned we built an AI triaging tool that's being trialed in a number of EORs across the, the, the country. And that's a su- super interesting space. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the, the proactive element of reaching out to people that's something that if you push out an ai powered questionnaire for someone to ask questions about their mental health they're probably more likely to answer that than if you go around person to person in your company and ask them hey how are you feeling how's your mental health right and so there's so many different ways in which we're leveraging technology and not just us but the other players in the industry as well and it's it's super exciting space to be in right now yeah i agree and i uh, i look forward to watching you guys and and hopefully partnering on on some future cases together Now, this is still very early stage, as you, as you touched on, for this technology. What do you think the future of virtual healthcare looks like? Yeah, I mean, also a very, very interesting space. There's a few areas that I'm quite confident will extend into, let's say, other areas. So let's say, for example, I think most providers will, will catch up with dialogue in terms of they'll add mental health offerings right. and in some form or another. And I think devices that permit patient self-examination is going to extend the current scope of practice of telemedicine. So as I touched on earlier, currently we can treat roughly 70% of frontline care. So ENT, gastrointestinal, dermatology. But companies like Tito Care is a pioneer in the space of these devices and it will enable remote physical examination. So, you know, we can push from being able to treat 70% virtually to hopefully, you know, in around the 90s. I think there's also going to be integrations with wearables such as Fitbits and tools that allow us to, to track our, our nutrition um, but before implementing such technology, you know, there's a lot of evidence-based research, evaluations, pilot programs are still required. Yeah. And again, you, you're answering a lot of my questions kind of in advance, which is, which is great. Um, <laughs> but one of the ones I want to dig into a little bit further is, you know, why are carriers doing this? And I'm playing a little bit devil's advocate here because I want to try to tease out as much as I can for, for our listeners. But, you know, number one, why are carriers looking at this? Because it seems like every carrier is either trying to partner with a company like yourself or at least looking into it. And why is it important? Mm-hmm. For someone like me, and I'm going to ask you a really selfish question, as a business owner, why should I care about this? Yeah. I think first and foremost, insurance and, you know, uh, benefits a very competitive space. Absolutely. And so, so ultimately, I think we're all striving to build a one-stop shop whereby you can come for all of your insurance benefits, virtual healthcare needs in one area. And even if we look at, you know, so according to TechCrunch, 
the average smartphone user uses about 30 apps per month. And I think the provider is able to build a one-stop shop that can take care of your physical health, your mental health, your nutrition, exercise, instead of having multiple different vendors or areas where you can go, it is going to prevail over the competition. So there's five major players in Canadian telemedicine uh, space at the moment. And responding to customers' wants and needs is what's driving these integrations. In terms of why companies are implementing a virtual healthcare, we work with a lot of companies who recruit within very competitive talent verticals. Um, and dialogue is seen as another way to differentiate. And um, certainly when you have candidates who are very sought after, they nitpick and compare like for like for what different sure, benefits yeah. they have. Virtual healthcare, whatever provider you're with, you know, is, is seen as another way to attract uh, and retain candidates. And um, we work with companies who look to decrease absenteeism or increase productivity. You're able to speak to a doctor, get a prescription and a referral to a specialist within 10 minutes, as opposed to losing a half day work in the office by going with the traditional model, helping employers reduce uh, you know, long term disability, short term disability, helping them enhance their employer value proposition. And, and you touched on earlier, we're lucky enough to be living through a time when the stigma around mental health is eroding. But we have a lot of work to do. Sure. But, you know, we have a lot of early adopters, if you will, that are aware of their the company's responsibility to enable their people to take better care of their mental health. And Dialog and other virtual care providers are seen as a, as, as a way to do this. Yeah. And, and sitting as someone who runs a company and, and offers an employee benefits plan, this is certainly very appealing to me. We try to look for efficiencies anywhere from whatever process we're, we're dealing with. So... In this, especially when it's going to lead to better health outcomes for our employees, for sure, I'm I'm so on board. So we've talked about a lot of these great features here today. You know, improving outcomes. If I've got listeners uh, in my audience who are prospects or our clients that are thinking about maybe offering this type of plan, mm-hmm. what should they be looking for when choosing a virtual healthcare provider? Uh-huh. So uh, there's a number of things you should look out for when assessing different telemedicine vendors. So first and foremost, I would ask about their NPS, their net promoter score. Okay. And um, so it indicates how happy people are with the service. And I think in 2019, in a space like ours, if you're not tracking and sharing your customer satisfaction, what, what are you hiding, right? And right, um, right. so ultimately, what does the end user think of the platform? <laughs> Secondly, I'd ask about the average response times. Ultimately, if you're going to roll out something like virtual healthcare, it's so that your people don't have to wait two or three hours in a clinic. Now, if... If the virtual care platform is unable to beat those times, what's the point in implementing one, right? Thirdly, I, I would ask about the medical team size and distributions. Because nurses and doctors, they're, they're legally only allowed to provide care in the province in which they're licensed. So if a provider doesn't have enough medical staff in your, in your province, it's going to be difficult to maintain good response times for your people. Makes sense. And um, you should also ask about utilization rates. A good telemedicine provider should have between 30 and 50%. And the way to ensure these types of utilization rates is having a good customer success team and engine that can educate your people on what you can use it for and ensure most, if not all, people are aware and are using it as much as possible. And then lastly, if you're looking to tackle mental health in your organization, you know, it's super important to ask about continuity of care because building rapport with a doctor or psychologist is imperative to tackling these issues long term. And that's an area Dialogue specializes in. Yeah, very interesting stuff. I think we've learned a lot here today. I know you and I are going to chat after the podcast. And, 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 we will indeed. And uh, I think you and I are uh, 
maybe have, we can have a chat about uh, our, uh, our times in Dublin as well. <laughs> he will indeed. <laughs> uh, but last question, because you know a lot of the people I enjoy chatting with are in technology firms, building exciting firms that are, again, delivering value back to the end user. So I'd like to ask some questions along, try to tease out some life hacks. Question for you, and you can answer either. What books are you reading now or podcasts are you listening to? Oh, okay. So in terms of books, I'm, I'm currently making my way through The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Okay. Uh, simply because I'm sick of people saying, you haven't read The Alchemist when we've been <laughs> discussing books. So I'm about halfway through that. It's, it's, it's quite an interesting read. Then in terms of podcasts, there's a few. I, I listen to Joe Rogan, uh, Bill Burr, uh, and Theo Vaughn, mainly kind of comedy podcasts. I'll be honest, the only educational podcast I listen to is, is here is The Benefits Corner. Oh, great. Well, thank you very much for listening. So I think we'll wrap it up there. How do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and find out more about Dialogue? Oh, yeah, I appreciate it. So, I mean, if anyone's interested in reaching out, it's michael.dunn at dialogue.co. I'm findable on LinkedIn, Michael Dunn, or my Twitter is at MikeDunn91 and I commonly tweet about all things HR, recruitment, and benefits. All right, very good. Yes, I've been uh, connected with you for about two weeks now, and I have to say, uh, really interesting post that you put out there, so really appreciate that. So so keep it going. All right, everyone, really enjoyed the conversation here uh, today. I really hope you did as well. Be sure to check out our website. As you know, all of our podcasts get put up there eventually. That's that is probably your favorite podcatcher, so you can get it as soon as it comes out. If you want to reach me, you've had feedback on the show. Always appreciate hearing that. It's rbailey at rebenefits.ca or joining uh, the conversation on LinkedIn. We'll see you next time on the Benefits Quarter.